one of the things that I've especially grown to love and have a lot of care for, especially recently, is just this town and this community. I didn't grow up here. I grew up in Chicago suburbs, a town called Rolling Meadows, if you've ever heard of it. This is Champagne is also a band podcast. One songwriter, one song. I'm Sven, your host for a journey into the music of Champaign-Urbana. Recorded in the Blue Box studio with a songwriter from the Champaign-Urbana music scene, past or present. Champagne is also a band podcast is proud to be a part of the Champagne Showers podcast network. Welcome to Champagne is also a band podcast. Today, I have Jake Fava, and you may know Jake Fava from his earlier days with the E-Wing Brass Band, which was a a rap, brass, metal, whatever you want to call it, band. You also play with Annika Emily, who is from episode 39, and also Jake plays with a band called Booth Blues. So, Jake, welcome to the show. I'm happy to be here, Sven. Thanks so much for uh, having me. Today, we're going to be listening to your song, Father's Day, which is performed by Booth Blues. It's off of the album, the Something New LP, pretty recently released, I think, like within the last year. You know, without further ado, let's listen to the song.
got life Cause I still got time We all got to grow And we don't stop before we die Take our breath, second guess Wouldn't be the first time I've grown Self-reflect, just accept Never always shape that I won't do
Welcome back. So, Jake, my first and favorite question to always ask is, what came first? Was it the lyrics or was it the music? Yeah, so for this one, it's very early on in the band. It's one of the first songs we did. I write all my songs on the acoustic guitar. And that's like the main harmony instrument that I play. So it was that acoustic guitar, those chords that you hear at the beginning of the recording. And then I had like a first verse through the chorus down for the first time that I brought it to Tyler, who's uh, one of the members of the band. So we got together. It was actually on Father's Day. I had written like that first draft of the stuff a couple days before and we got together that Sunday. This was towards the beginning of the pandemic. We ran through it and he was really liking it. He actually helped. He contributed to some of the lyrics on that song. We did a quick like scratch. You know, we did a voice recording, a voice memo on the phone. And then the next week we made our first like recording on the computer with me, Tyler and Noah. He plays everything, plays everything better than any of us. <laughs> but uh, he's been playing a lot of bass for the band. And that was the first recording we did was me and the acoustic. Tyler was playing electric I and mean, he came up with that bass line on that day. It's like the bass line in there is probably one of my favorite things of, yes. the, of the whole song. Mine too, um, yeah. Because it, it sets the tone. I think one thing that's kind of striking is that some of the influences of funk and I mean, even to say like Stevie Wonder, those strong influences seem to be coming back into popular music it's like seems very heavily influenced by them is that is that the predominant style that you're thinking of or, or did you listen to a lot of 70s funk or what was your listening influences no i guess a lot of my main influences are a generation removed from those folks so it's mm. like i think the folks who grew up listening to stevie who grew up listening to james brown and and funk artists and now are, are synthesizing that into their own thing. That was sort of my introduction. So I listened to a lot of that stuff. My favorite bands are like, there's a band called Lawrence. And they, you know, they call themselves that like Neo Soul or, or Soul Pop. Hmm. It's kind of like they're influenced by that music, but it's more of a pop, modern pop styling. So those are like my favorite bands that I started listening to. And then, of course, since then have gotten into, you know, d diving into the discography of artists like Stevie Wonder to hear where, you know, those influences came from originally. But I think most of my direct influences are, like I said, like that generation removed. So it's got like the funk influence, but there's a lot of the modern pop, you know, 2000s, 2010s pop is mostly what I listened to growing up. You know, yeah. like I didn't even get exposed to this stuff until recently. That's so interesting. I mean, the the way that you describe that, the the generation removed is, as I think back even to my own stuff that I enjoyed listening to, looking back, I'm like, well, you know, Nine Inch Nails. I love Nine Inch Nails. They're awesome. And then uh, Trent Reznor would be talking about how much David Bowie was such an influence. And I'm like, oh, well, I need to listen to David Bowie. And yeah, then it's yeah. like, oh, I can see where he got, the, you know. So, I mean, not to say that they're exactly, you know, analogous to following the line of, of 70s style and funk. But, but you can tell that there's certain influences. And it's important to be able to study those that influence the people that influence you. Just because it gives you even an even bigger breadth of knowledge and stuff to work with. So what was the first line that you came up with for this song? Wow, that's a great question. I think the first melody line was the first 
line in the song it comes in on like the second or third beat and it's kind of like a response to that the chords on the acoustic but maybe though the first i i'm trying to remember what the first actual words were because it could have been that but it also could have been sort of the chorus slow down part that's the part that starts with it's coming out of the be there for a son or daughter or whatever you choose i hope that you don't see through my ruse is the first time I think maybe that section kind of encapsulates the song the first time. It's about, you know, the fear and anxiety of being afraid of being a parent someday, which is like sort of the mm -hmm. main thing of the song. And then it flips in the second time that you hear it. It's different. It's about accepting, you know, the challenges that you have and realizing that it's okay to be vulnerable and, and honest with a child. You're, you know, not a young child, but you're your kid instead of trying to pretend like you're perfect. One of the things that I always find interesting is like you do a few things that flip. I think it's interesting that I had a dream last night, but you don't necessarily talk about the dream that you had last night. You just say, when I awoke, I saw myself in a different light. And then you just talk about these ideas that pop into your head kind of afterwards. So I guess that brings into my head. So was there a dream or is this something that that came up through your imagination as, as like this would be a possible scenario yeah absolutely it's a it's a mix of both i don't think there was a specific concrete dream but like you said it goes into exactly that describing some images which is like kind of consistent with at least i know in my experience when i wake up and i've just had a dream almost all of it you know goes out of my head instantly and I can only just remember like some moments or some symbols or, or things like that. I can't remember what was actually going on in the dream. So those next things that it goes on to describe, the child in pain, the uh, barren face, family picture frame, those would be like, I've woken up, but those are the images that stuck in my head, you know, mm. of the dream. But there wasn't necessarily like a specific one, a specific dream that I was mm. having, you know, that, that describes exactly those images. <laughs> I mean, I guess the part that also I think is subtle and maybe you didn't mean to do this, but to me, uh, the second verse, and I'm assuming like if I say this correctly, so um, the first line I'm assuming is the second verse, because of course I like to call things the wrong things, but <laughs> apparently my tr recent track record has been doing really well. Your first line of the, of the first verse is the, I had a dream last night, and you go through all these scenarios and all these things where you wonder about your own relation to your to your own father, to your own parents, to right. all the people that exist. And you want to trust yourself to be the one to be there for your son, your daughter, or, or whatever you choose, which that's very inclusive. I love that so much. <laughs> um, like, might as well say trans rights in the song as well. You right. Know? <laughs> I mean, the thing that I love, though, is that then you go into the second verse and it's like, you're not saying that you had a dream, but you're talking about, so I close my eyes. Like, as if, can I return to that dream? Can I return to that idea? Can I return to how I felt? And maybe instead of just talking about it, that maybe I focus on and address it and think about it myself. You do some really nice callbacks and and returning to even in your chorus, which I'm going to call the, the part where you say, how can I say is the that lead be a chorus. or, yeah, or yeah. like That's maybe a, good, a pre chorus and then leading into yeah. a chorus. <laughs> but I mean, the, the whole, how can I say, and then it's a different part. It's, yeah, it's yeah. not the world you need to be afraid of. And then in the second chorus, there's no shame in having something you're afraid of. 
which I don't know. I think that's a really nice play. When you construct songs like this, where there's callbacks, I feel like you're looking at two sides of a coin on the song. Yeah, so maybe, totally. like when I write, I don't necessarily think, oh, I'm going to set out to do this. Sometimes I do, and that's a, usually a horrible disaster. But it's only <laughs> like when you get halfway through that you realize, oh, actually, this is happening. Like this this mirror image or whatever yeah, yeah. Uh, other side of the coin so i'm just curious was that like where how did that all come about i think a lot of my songs have been falling into this trope I and mean, it's not necessarily intentional but i've been trying not to leave the songs on a sad tone you know and most of my songs that start out sad the second verse or the second chorus whatever evolves into some way of exactly like you said addressing what i talked about in the first verse or finding reconciliation or whatever actually for this song it was i wrote that first verse through the chorus that whole first section brought it to tyler and we worked on it a little bit and then i wrote that second half as like exactly like you said a response sort mm -hmm. of to the first one it shows like a, a shift in mindset or growth by the end of the song you know, here's what I was struggling with at the beginning, and then through reflection, you know, I closed my eyes and I, I took a moment to think back on my life. I'm able to reach a, a new conclusion about it, you know, is the, yeah. the second half. Your first line in the second verse, not the first line, but the first grouping, so I closed my eyes all the way through, we all got to grow, and it, we don't stop before we die. There's this interesting part, which I like, and I'm curious about your choice on, is when you say, take a breath, second guess, won't be the first time I've grown. And and now, as I'm reading it, it almost forces you to do it. But you, you sing that very marcato, so very, like, punctuated and, yeah. and short. Was that, like, what was what were you thinking when you came up with that? Like, I, I, But I'm, I'm also wondering if the words just kind of force you to do that. Because in reading it, I did exactly what you... <laughs> i'm trying to remember what are the equivalent words in the first verse yeah so it'd be the bleeding eyes deep inside burning through the back of my skull yeah so there were, I, I guess i did i started the form there that there was like you know two things and then a line two things and a line so i think it mostly just came from that like i wrote the form the first time and then just trying to fit on the new words to the mm -hmm. to the old form and they're you know exactly like you point out they're a little bit harder to say <laughs> that marcado and that quickly so it took a few times actually to get those right mm -hmm. but i think it was more a case of i had it in the form the first time and then that second verse was just going back to that form and and trying to copy it so that's how they ended up having that rhythm so you brought you brought this to tyler and and it started to flesh out. So when you brought it to the rest of the band, I believe you said Noah, um, who plays everything you said. Yeah. Like, when did it go from kind of an acoustic song to more of a, this this very, like, have a little bit of funk to it. You've got a Rhodes in there. You've got a, yeah, this yeah. really slick, cool bass line going through there that, that, like, just drives it the whole way through. Like, when did that all start to come together? I think, um, as you pointed out, that bass line was one huge moment early mm -hmm. on. As soon as Noah got in there and he started playing that thing, I was like, oh, this is, this is, this is something new. You know, this is very, something different. Most of our album has a lot of that, like, funk instrumentation. There's a lot of Rhodes. There's a lot of organ stuff. This is actually the only one, I think, 
that ended up with an acoustic guitar on it. And it was because the song started on that little acoustic guitar riff and we liked it so much uh, that we decided to keep it. But there was other huge moments like, so there's strings. Yeah, oh yeah. For a while we used a keyboard sound and then we decided, like we liked the idea of it so much that we wanted to do real strings. And that's actually one of Noah's first instruments. It's actually what he started going to college for. When he when he went to college, uh, he did it for violin, which is wild because he plays so many other instruments so well. <laughs> he got new strings and tuned his violin just so we could do that part on this song because we felt like we wanted it to have one more, you know, extra thing. And he just did such an amazing job with the arrangement. It's just so oh, yeah. beautiful. I already kind of said that my favorite part in this song is is the bass. But I also think, I think I also have to go in with, so at the very end, you repeat the line, I'll be all right, I'm taking my time. And, you know, there, that's, that's kind of a vamping out part. It's a good yeah. way to, to end the album and just kind of give it, give it some breathing room from the very end. You know, I mean, like you give yourself some time and it, it's, it's interesting because that's exactly what you're talking about. I'm giving myself some time. Yeah, yeah. And, and so it's very well, you know, good word painting and I, the the thing that I'm actually it is my it is one of my favorite parts too, but it it also I'm curious like one of the things I interpreted was that you're trying to kind of reassure yourself, and then you're also reassuring your your child in in the future, and also maybe even your partner that you have the child with, or yeah yeah you know like I'll I'll be all right you know like I don't know how many times you know I spend you know when something is is scary or or is impend seeming and impending doom you have to be like no it's going to be okay it will eventually be okay you'll you'll get there yeah, it'll exactly. eventually be okay i got it so i'm i'm just curious like was that was that something that you you came up with at the end or were you singing that on something else or was that just like you said this is how i want this to end oh yeah i'm so glad you asked about that because the outro it actually gets teased a little bit at the end, right after the first chorus, it goes into that slowdown and then it goes into that part, which was, it's like over a pedal D. And I felt like I played this little thing on the acoustic and I felt like it was like ethereal and sort of a departure mm. from what else was going on. And it felt kind of like this moment of peace and clarity. And that's what leads into the reflection part of verse two. Right. And that goes on. And then I think you're absolutely right. With the outro, one part of it is that affirmation, you know, just repeating it over and over under that same thing with the pedal going on, that kind of like clarity or, or peace. And then, of course, like you said, growing it into this massive thing, you know, where mm -hmm. there's the screaming and the strings and the guitars going and everything is like all this chaos. And it's all growing out of that initial like pedal D. Sorry, you brought something up and it, it makes me think of all... And and feel free to be like, no, that's just stupid. But I kind of think of a, a lot of liturgical music, like sacred music or whatever, yeah. where, you know, the organ will hold a pedal. Yes. And it's this idea of like, the there's always like this representation of like the bass, the thing that everything gets built off of. Yeah, yeah. So it's like this, this steady rock that it, everything kind of begins and then grows from and not everything has to relate to western sacred music but that's just something that kind of popped into my head with the pedal tone no that's you're absolutely right myself and tommy uh, who plays keys 
both of us are hugely into like drone and ambient uh-huh. type music and like yeah there's western sacred music it's huge in a lot of eastern music too like there's a lot of eastern instruments like the sitar mm. in the same way that the banjo it's meant to pedal one note while you play the other stuff over it and there's just something so beautiful and like powerful about that like the one note and everything coming out of it or like growing out of it it's like you said the that's it remains the foundation the rock that's absolutely something that we were trying to go for in that that pedal d section it's kind of like a a sacred or it's like this powerful spiritual moment for you what is your favorite part of this song oh my favorite part i guess it would have to be the outro and the very end where it goes to every time i listen to the song i can't help but get hype when it's getting there towards the end and just more and more layers are coming in. And I also remember like how that part developed, you know, went through a lot of different changes, you know, situations where somebody would do a take of something and then somebody else would hear that and be like, oh, I want to do mine again because I want to do something that plays off that. Oh, cool. um, and th- like there was a, there's a few things like something that Tyler actually started on the guitar that Noah started doubling in the strings and it becomes like this big repeated mm. little theme at the end. And every time it starts coming in, I, I just start going crazy. <laughs> My final question is, why did you pick this song as your favorite to talk about today? I guess I picked it partially because it's very personal. I'm proud of the lyrics and how it turned out. And then I also just like how it's a fantastic example of how I came in with just this one small idea, but through working with the rest of the band, it became this really magical thing that I think we all, you know, co-created together. And I mean, the whole album is like that, but this song in particular, like really feels that way to me. Champagne is also a band podcast is proud to support Exile on Main Street. Exile on Main Street, located in the old train station building at 100 North Chestnut Street in downtown Champaign, has been helping to build record collections since 2004. Carrying a wide array of new and used LPs, CDs, and video games. Exile on Main Street has something for just about any music enthusiast and old school gaming devotee. Exile also hosts regular free live music shows on its stage, so be sure to check out their Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages for the up-to-date details on the next upcoming event. Open seven days a week. They can be reached by phone at 217-398-MAIN. That's 217-398-6246. Welcome back. So, Jake, my question that I like to lead off here is, do you have a favorite venue in Champaign-Urbana? Well, I guess the one we've been at most is, of course, uh, Nola's Rock Bar in downtown Urbana. Annika and I, of course, host the Monday Open Mic, so we're there every week. Booth Blues also hosts a open jam night there every other Tuesday. So we're there all the time. Is that my favorite venue, though? <laughs> I mean, we, we do have some really good ones floating yeah. around that I, I think are all very... Uh, they all have their points. Yeah, so true. Yeah. 
I think Rose Bowl is up there for me. It's so awesome what they're doing, doing music every day. Like they've had stuff nonstop. This shows it's a great energy both inside and outside. They have a nice house kit, <laughs> which is yeah. good for us to not have to bring drums. I feel very fortunate to be able to have you um, in the studio, mainly because during the shutdown, you took part in and also assisted somewhat to uh, run some of the Zoom and etc. for Annika's Espresso Thursday night open mic thing. I, I found that absolutely amazing that that was able to continue. Um, and, and also at the same time, the, the Canopy Club open mic was able to be run. Mike Ingram was able to do that. And, and it was just, I have to say during that time when things were very, very dark and very, I don't know, it was, it was just very isolating and awful for everybody. If there were a bright light or a bright spot in the whole thing. It was these open mics where people still could share. And it was fascinating to think, oh, this person's all the way in St. Louis. This person's over here. And I mean, I didn't catch all of the different places, but it was one of these like, oh, we've got somebody from California, you know, just kind of popping up. And so, I, I, you know, personally, I'd like to thank you and also just please pass it on to Annika that to continue that in spite of, you know, it was it was nothing at the time. Espresso was shut down, and like, you know, in in the most blunt way, I could say like she really had nothing to gain from that to to right. continue to do that. Yeah, exactly. And it was just one. It was only because of the passion, the love, the desire to continue this community. And, you know, and as someone who is an admirer of this community. Um, it was good to see it still thrive in that way. I just wanted to say that, and also as you taking part in continuing that and keeping that alive, that thanks falls to you as well. I'm sure there was a very, very steep learning curve in terms of getting getting the Zoom and everything to work. And like, I I think it seemed so seamless, but I know it wasn't for on your end to get <laughs> to make that happen. Anybody that's dealt with Zoom knows how that was. I'm not really sure what kind of question I'm trying to ask here, but like just just describe kind of how that that rolled out and like how you, it, it continued. As soon as stuff started to shut down, uh, I was of course Mike Ingram who who started moving the canopy one online. And we started it on Zoom. Uh, it actually wasn't too hard of a transition right then, figuring out, you know, at, at that time, there was even fewer tools in Zoom. Mm-hmm. You know, it was even more, like, basic. Towards the beginning, Mike would start giving the rest of us, or a few of us, co-host privileges, you know, so we could help out in the behind-the-scenes stuff and make sure there wasn't any Zoom bombing or disruption and stuff like that. Because there were constant threats of that. Putting putting the link out on a Facebook Live that sometimes like we would get like a you know a few thousand views on. Lots wow. of people would be seeing it and like think that's that's a perfect place for us to go and troll some people. You know, I guess that never occurred to me how <laughs> how easy it would be for other people to just be dicks. Yeah, especially um, towards the beginning, people were just everybody was trying to get into meetings to spam stuff or to show you know graphic images on their mm-hmm. video and all that kind of stuff i'm I'm glad that 
there has been new new, new developments, thing, new developments yeah, yeah. in, <laughs> They're in better Zoom about world it now. To, to, <laughs> to protect that from happening. I'm happy to finally ask this to you as someone who has been a part of that. You know, as the pandemic has progressed on and we went from complete isolation to now things are opening up a little bit more, it, it becomes more and more important to me to ask the question, what is it that makes a good music scene and like, what can we do now that things are opening up more and more and more live music is coming back, like what what makes our scene good or like how can we make it better? We ran that virtual open mic for 59 weeks was the, the total. Mm-hmm. Um, and exactly like you said, some parts of it were amazing getting to meet people and see people we never would have gotten the chance to um, and, and introducing folks to the scene who are now parts of it you know who since right. things have opened back up they're now getting out and, and going to places i i guess i haven't been around as long as some folks and and seen the former glory days mm. of the champagne urbana scene i didn't even get to see mabel's or a lot of the venues right. that used to be around that seems to be something that's really hurt you know folks is losing spaces Right. When you lose venues, you lose spaces for folks to gather and there's fewer shows going on. But I think one part that's been fantastic since we started opening up is, especially for the events that we do, like the open mic and the open jam, getting just a such a broad range of different folks into the room together and starting to make connections. Because, yeah. uh, you know, folks who come to the open jam are finding bandmates through there actually um noah and i just played we backed up uh hockey the, an, another local artist at a house show last night because we all met at open jam and he was looking for extra band members there's things like that that are you know pulling folks together and helping to make those connections which i think that is maybe one of the keys to making the scene great and and also growing it back up to right. you know some somewhat of a, what it used to be is folks meeting each other and just knowing who else is active in the scene it feels like there's a lot of silos of you know folks who play similar music they know each other and they're they're friends and and whatnot you know sometimes they don't always know folks outside of their circles yeah. so it's through stuff like the open jam hopefully we can make more of those connections get more people at other folks shows <laughs> just as a note so the the hockey you're you're referring to is from episode 65 oh nice you had so, him on yeah yeah <laughs> he's awesome so, i'm really excited to hear that people are making those connections tell me a little bit about how the open jam works like yeah. what what is it just bring yourself to sing or bring your instrument to, to play or what how does that work it functions more or less like the open mic at, at its core there's a sign-up sheet. We are like the house band. So Booth Blues is the house band. We kick things off with the set at 7.30. And then as soon as we wrap up that, we start going to the list. And so we'll talk to folks. Some folks, they want to come and they want to sing and play something and be backed up by people. Or they've come with a group. You know, mm-hmm. and they want to get a few members of their band up there. Other folks are just coming because they want to play drums or play guitar or whatever in the background of other folks doing their thing. 
after that first set, it really becomes kind of a, a flexible thing. We create like a rotating lineup of folks on stage. Huh. Uh, we'll get like a group up. They'll play for some time, and then we'll say, we'll go back to the list. We'll say, oh, we can switch out the drummers, or we can switch out, you know, this instrument or whatever, and then start, you know, jamming with a new lineup. Sounds like you're able to get a good amount of people that will oh, come yeah. out and play. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. yeah. We get music yeah. till 12 or 1 every single time we do it. It's wow. it's always goes so late. <laughs> and, and, and that's at NOLA's. Yeah, it's, so, at okay. NOLA, or it's at NOLA's right now. It may be moving back to Canopy. Even in the midst of the current coronavirus pandemic, the Jubilee Cafe is continuing to serve packaged home-cooked meals free to all every Monday evening, 5 to 6.30 p.m. Meals are available for pickup outside the 6th Street door to the Community United Church of Christ in Champaign, Illinois, 805 South 6th Street. Jubilee Cafe's mission remains the same. Feed hungry people by cooking healthy and delicious meals. We are open to anyone who cares to receive a meal. For information on the meal or how to volunteer, Go to the Jubilee Cafe CUCC Facebook page or email us at jubilee.cafe at community-ucc.org. Welcome back. So, Jake, what is your favorite non-musical thing or things? (sighs) Yeah, I I went between a couple things because I wasn't sure what to say. We'll do those um, couple things. That's cool. But uh, piggybacking off what we were just talking about, one of the things that I've especially grown to love and have a lot of care for, especially recently, is just this town and this community. I didn't grow up here. I grew up in Chicago suburbs, a town called Rolling Meadows, if you've ever heard of it. And so I'm, I'm only a recent transplant, been here about seven years now but i've quickly just fallen in love with the town and the people and want to do everything that i can to give back and to you know help the folks in our community that need it most in large part i think my bridge into the community was absolutely through the arts scenes started off doing local theater with the station theater and with parkland college and then started going to open mics from there. It was just, I've grown very quickly attached to Champaign-Urbana and the people here. <laughs> what theater production were you a part of when you first got here that you were involved with? Well, I started doing theater with the university and a student organization called Illini Student Musicals. That's actually where I met Noah. Noah and I first worked together through ISM. But my first production in the community was in the spring of 2018, I did Memphis the Musical at Parkland College. Actually, Noah was the music director for it at that time. So that was like one of the first times that we worked officially together. And I should also mention then, my second show was my first show at the station. Happened that following summer. It was called The Aliens. And so I was in that. And and also Noah was sound designer for that. Tommy, Tommy Howie, who's the key player in our band, 
was also in that show. That's how like the three of us first worked together. So actually a lot of how the band even started was connecting through theater and doing productions. So have you always been theatrical actor, whatever you'd like to call it? Like where did that start with you? Yeah, I kind of had a weird journey. I started doing music somewhat early. You know, I started doing percussion in schools at age 10, you know, whenever they start your school band. But then I kind of took a departure from that late into high school. My junior year, my brother and I joined like the school comedy troupe. And then also that same year, we both did the spring musical. And that was like both of our first times ever doing theater and doing stuff on stage. So that's where I started singing and doing theater obviously carried forward you know beyond high school started late in high school uh, but it was something that i carried on you know when i came down here jake thank you for being on the show and telling me about making the trip down here and and being a guest here in the studio and and telling me about your song father's day and about the music scene and and how you you kind of held on and and kept it going during that time and about your uh open jam on every other tuesday night you said that yes at, at nola's and then maybe later shifting to canopy club and then your favorite non-musical thing which apparently is still musicals so <laughs> yeah that's yeah, all right count that, yeah. um i mean it's it's all good but i really appreciate you coming on and being on the show i really appreciate you having me this has been a blast uh, and i love the show Excellent. so well, thank you <laughs> it's an awesome. honor Thank you for listening to Champagne is Also a Band podcast. This is Jake Favo reminding you, great music is out there. Go find it where you live. a wrap. You almost have an NPR voice. It's so good. Thursday, <laughs> <laughs> which is performed by Booth Booze. Uh, really? Booth is performed by B- <laughs>